0: Drug misuse is rarely out of the headlines. Grim tales of how addictive or how deadly cocaine or heroin can be.
1: I didn't take my first bit of cocaine and think, oh, I can't wait till I'm addicted to this. But that's where I ended up. It destroyed the person that was me.
0: I've seen somebody die in front of me in a hostel um, in a corridor. Um, They'd done hit, walked out the door and dropped down. Because of heroin? Yeah. But among the youngest drug misusers in the country, there's another drug that somewhat quietly soared in popularity.
1: There are these terrible statistics that come out for heroin and very frightening statistics for cocaine. Ketamine is, is never the headline, it's kind of by stealth
0: risen as a problem without being noticed. Ketamine. It's sweeping university campuses today, right behind cannabis as the most widely used drug among students. Its lowish price tag is part of its appeal, but it also has a reputation, an incorrect reputation, for being comparatively safe. Dominic Kennedy, the Times' investigations editor, decided to look into it, and with never before seen data, he paints a dark picture. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from the Times and the Sunday Times. I'm Luke Jones. Today, the quiet rise. In ketamine deaths. Hello? Yeah.
1: Hi there. You able to help help me at all? What's
0: your... I'm confused by your question, bro.
1: Yeah. No, what it is, I'm doing some research about Students and Drugs in Manchester.
0: Yeah.
1: It's for a, a podcast and a newspaper article. Yeah. Uh, would you be able to help with that? I, I could meet you or just chat on the phone now if you like or send you text was, messages.
0: What, you're a student?
1: No, no, I'm a, I'm a journalist. I'm a newspaper reporter. Well,
0: gee, I'm confused, but why would you ask me? <laughs>
1: Well, um, b- well, because you're able to supply drugs.
0: I am. Who said that?
1: Yeah, you've you've been. <laughs> it's that's what you that's what you send your messages out for, mate. No, nah, nah, I think you have got the wrong number, mate. I don't think so.
0: Dom, what was that that we just heard? Who were you speaking to there?
1: Yeah, this is a number which I was given kindly by some students at the University of Manchester. And this is a number that they get in touch with in order to get their drugs. So, I was able within the course of four text messages, I get texted anonymously, to get a full menu of the drugs available, the prices that were being charged for these drugs, and to arrange a drop-off of Class B drugs at a Student Hall of Residence, which is part of the University of Manchester. Um, and during the... Well, I didn't follow through and get the drugs. No, we but, should say. Yeah, and then I I was in contact with this number for about seven to ten days, during which time I must have been on a mailing list, because every weekend I'd get messages saying, uh, here's our special offers for this weekend, or we've just got in some new types of weed and here's the prices. So I was quite familiar with it. When I... Finally, came clean and said, I'm a researcher, I'm a journalist, I want to know about students and drugs. He said it was the wrong number, which was quite a surprise because he rang me.
0: How did you know how to engage with him in terms of not outing yourself as a middle aged bloke when you're trying to be, you know, a, a drug taking student? Yeah, well, I take advice from people who are
1: familiar with them the drug scene. I don't know how they're familiar with it. But the uh, the way that we found this is that I spoke to students at the University of Manchester, and they told me about Freshers Week in Fallowfield, which is the student district of Manchester. And what happens is there's clusters of freshers, they get approached by young people who turn out to be drug dealers, who will say, if you want any coke, ring this number. And what they do is they give them they give the students lighters with their number on, written on paper and stuck on with adhesive tape, uh, and then the student always has got the lighter on them when they want to ring up for some drugs. I was told by students that everyone they know has got one of these lighters, and they're a brilliant marketing device.
0: Why were you fishing around in this area? What got you interested in what kind of drugs students in Manchester or anywhere are taking?
1: Yeah, well, I did an investigation a little bit over a year ago into study drugs, and that went down very well. And then there was a headline last year saying that cocaine was rife on campus. So my editors asked me to look into this. And I spoke to my friends who are recent graduates or students, and they said, no, that's not right. We, we don't take cocaine. We can't afford it. <laughs> we take MDMA." And weed, so ecstasy and cannabis—they are the student drugs. So I kept pestering every recent graduate or student that I found and saying, "What's this about cocaine on campus?" Until eventually, one of them said, "Well, at my university—it was all ketamine," and my jaw drops. I'd never heard this before that students were particularly into ketamine. I said, "What university was that?" And he said, "Cambridge."
0: Okay, and when we say ketamine for the uninitiated, what is it? What does it do? Why are they after it?
1: Yeah, well, ketamine is mainly used in the UK as a horse tranquilizer. My introduction to the concept of ketamine came when I was at Newmarket and I was being given a tour of the stables when I was working on a different story by a vet, and I was looking at the fantastic racehorses that are owned by the Arab sheikhs and this vet explained to me what ketamine is and how it's used and what they do is they need to make a horse lie down for surgery but it's not a dog you can't tell it to lie down and it's not a circus horse so what they do is they put it in the horse equivalent of a padded cell and they give it some ketamine get out and close the door because you don't want the horse to fall on you, wait to hear the thud, go back in, then give the horse some anaesthetics and perform surgery. But this is actually, although we can't ask the horse, this appears to be the same thing that happens to a human being when they go into what's known as a K-hole. And a K-hole, you don't want to get into this, it's when you slightly overdose on ketamine. So it started being abused by people with access to it like uh, vets then there started to be kind of raids and burglaries at vets premises when it got into the wider population but today it tends to come in packages it's sent from abroad i, I spoke to a clubber it's fair to say this person is familiar with the use of cocaine and they said he said to me i tried catching once i'll never have it again I wanted to move away from where I was, but I wasn't able to move. And that was a frightening experience. And that is actually, seems to be what also happens to the horse. You know, we're all, mm. ma- we're all
0: mammals. And are students taking it but because of that type of high it gives them, as opposed to what cocaine might do or what weed might do? Or is it that it's cheap? I mean, what, why are they taking it? The big appeal
1: of ketamine is that it's about half the price of cocaine. Ah. Uh, If you work it out, it's about three pounds for a dose. Mm. It gives you some of the buzzy things you get from drugs, you know, it might give you euphoria, it might help you to relax. And it's got a reputation for not being so dangerous that it would kill you. Except we know it is. It is very dangerous. And what we did, we commissioned statistical research, which has never been seen before, by the National Programme for Substance Abuse, and that is at St George's in London. And they found out for us that 41 students have died with ketamine in their system. To try and put that in perspective, in 2012, no students died with ketamine in their system. Since 2013, ketamine has been implicated in student deaths every year since 2013. Of all the people who die with ketamine in their system, 1 in 10 is a student. Of all people who die with any drug in their system, 1 in 50 is a student. So it seems to be five times as risky with students. Most people who die with ketamine in their system don't reach their 30th birthday. We also commissioned statistics, very kindly provided by the Tic Tac Lab, which analyses drugs at St George's, and they said that with seizures from music festivals, ketamine now counts for a quarter of drug seizures. And then, looking at other, digging out other statistics, you can see that um, students say that ketamine is their favourite drug, apart from cannabis. It's causing more health damage than any other club drug. There's been a record surge in references to the NHS for ketamine, there are now more than 2,000 people being treated in the NHS for ketamine. There's been a massive surge of findings of ketamine at the border. That's uh, gone up fourfold in terms of seizures. And the proportion of 16 to 24-year-olds who've tried ketamine has trebled in the past 15 years.
0: And yet, despite all of that, We don't read about this all splashed over the papers. Well, not until your story now, of course, but the chat elsewhere is about heroin or cocaine being abused. Ketamine, we haven't heard of necessarily on on a scale.
1: I think what's been happening is that ketamine is never the headline. So if you're looking at students and drugs, yes, it's mainly cannabis or weed. And if you're looking at drug deaths, there are these terrible statistics that come out for heroin and frightening statistics for cocaine ketamine is is never the headline it's kind of by stealth risen as a problem without being noticed but if you look at the whole population in 1998 there were no recorded deaths from ketamine and now it's running
0: at 30 a year and with all of this becoming clearer and clearer you'd expect what, universities to clamp down on drug use to really try and close in on this? Is that what's happening?
1: Well, when I was looking at ketamine, I stumbled across something surprising and quite different. We must make clear this is entirely unrelated to the rise in ketamine use and deaths. But students may notice a revolution happening in the way that universities are treating students and drugs.
0: Coming up, the revolution of drugs on campus and the powerful student lobbying groups leading the charge. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com.
1: I'm David Badil. I'm a writer and a comedian and a Jew.
0: I'm Saeed Avasi. I'm a businesswoman and a politician and a Muslim. Jews and Muslims always seem to be in the news or on the news. Most people talk about us, and this is us talking about ourselves. The kind of things that people say don't touch, yeah. we are going to go there.
1: I mean, I think Jews and Muslims are talking about these things, but I think they're not talking about them together because they're worried that if they do, sparks might fly. A Muslim and a Jew go there.
0: Find us wherever you get your podcasts. So Dominic, you've taken us into the world of, of ketamine use in universities. Some shocking statistics about the number of people since 2013, students who've died with a load of ketamine in their system, how it's easy to get your hands on it, as we heard. Um, it seems like an unavoidable part of university life. What are universities actually trying to do about it to turn this situation around?
1: Your yeah, well, drug use has become so commonplace on campuses that... Universities are softening their approach to students caught with illegal substances. And already some universities in the UK are emphasising not punishment and disciplinary measures anymore, but what is known as harm reduction. Universities UK, which represents all the vice chancellors, They've set up a task force which is going to provide the first nationally agreed approach by universities to students and drugs. We don't know what they're going to say, but we do know that they are emphasising harm reduction. And this change of heart has been guided by a little-known pressure group called Students for Sensible
0: Drug Policy UK. Students for Sensible Drug Policy UK... Who are they and what is the sensible that they're getting at?
1: They actually originated in 1998 in the USA and that was as a response to a proposed law which would effectively prevent anybody from becoming a student if they had a drug conviction. And in Britain, the British version of this campaign was set up in 2009 and that was when the Labour government was proposing to increase penalties for possession of cannabis. It's created as a response to repressive anti-drug policies. And they're keen to say they're they're neither pro or Mm. anti-drugs. The the sensible bit, they will say that evidence shows that repressing drugs causes more harm than good. I think they should really become full-time paid lobbyists because I've never seen such a brilliant lobbying campaign as this. They get themselves in the room when policy is being made. And the most amazing coup they've got, this Universities UK task force, which is deciding the national policy for students and drugs. They have a student advisory body and the chairperson of the student advisory body is on the board of Students for Sensible Drug Policy. She is Hannah Head. She has an MA in drug policy from Middlesex. She's studying for a doctorate in drug policy from Birmingham. It's great for her that she's in the room, but they might have chosen someone who didn't have preconceived positions on drugs.
0: And so she's in the room, and as you say, there is policies being formed... What is she actually pushing? You mentioned this idea of of harm reduction, not necessarily whether we should be stopping people from getting access to drugs or not, but just tackling what could be harmful about it.
1: Yeah, and harm reduction is really the buzz phrase that is used now throughout drug policy. That's the direction of travel. And that could mean what are called drug checking kits. It's very important, and they're very responsible in the way that they explain how this works they don't tell you exactly what that substance is that's in front of you. So it's not like a laboratory analysis.
0: Mm.
1: What they can tell you is if you bought a white powder and you think it's cocaine, you can confirm it's cocaine. And then the University of the West of England, they probably sum it up best because they've done a video in which they explain to students what harm reduction means.
0: Hi, I'm Evan, your student union president. Here to talk about taking drugs with Becky Risley, UE's senior drug and alcohol
1: practitioner. We want to... It's a short video. It's about two minutes long. There are two presenters. One of them is a student senior official. Uh, he looks like he's about undergraduate age. Then the co-presenter is the senior drug and alcohol practitioner for the university.
0: Information from Public Health England suggests that illicit drugs are being sold with varying... Substances.
1: I'm sure she's really brilliant at her day job on this occasion she is required to co-present the video and she's uh be fair to say she's she's not undergraduate age anymore um she's a, but she's you know, pretty young and it starts off they're kind of channeling stern parent.
0: Well, the safest action to take is to not do drugs at all we know that some of you will whilst the university.
1: safest thing is not to take any drugs at all mm. if you're considering taking drugs it comes with a risk and they're just this screeching gear change. And they say, when you take your drugs, start off with a small dose and wait at least an hour.
0: check your drugs. Make sure you start with a low dose and take it slow. So that means waiting at least another hour before having another dose, just in case it's stronger than you think or there's any strange side effects. Also, make sure to have some good friends around you and tell them what you're taking. So if it does go wrong... So they, they can, can ring 999 and tell,
1: and tell the paramedics what you took. They don't say ring 999
0: to tell the police what's going on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good point. And this is the kind of thing that's being rolled out in what? Some universities? Lots of universities? At the moment, there is a
1: pilot scheme which is being done. The pilots are University of the West of England, Leeds and Kiel... And the pilot scheme, it's run by a charity, a student's charity called SOS UK. And the advisors to that scheme, inevitably, Students for Sensible Drug Policy are advising them, but also Universities UK itself representing the vice chancellors and Public Health England, which is the government.
0: Gosh. And and, as you said at the start, this all sort of comes back to Students for Sensible Drug Policy UK, SSDP. They've got these pilot schemes where they're doing this kind of harm reduction advice, but they have fingers in other pies in, in other universities as well.
1: Yeah, their first really big success in the UK, uh, they set up a branch at Newcastle University in 2014. And by the end of that academic year, they'd already persuaded Newcastle to soften its policy on students and drugs. So they ended automatic evictions. Of students who were caught with drugs in hall. Newcastle went on to see one of the most harrowing of all student deaths from ketamine, and that was Jenny Lama, aged 18 from County Armagh. On her first night in England, her first night in university at Newcastle University, she took ketamine with a fellow student, Kavir Kali Charan. She had been drinking alcohol before during the evening. And she died. When the police raided the premises, they found substantial quantities of three different types of Class A and B drugs in his room. One of the responses to this terrible death came from Hannah Head of Students for Sensible Drug Policy. The university put out a statement, a message to all their students after this death, in which they said, it's against the law to take and supply drugs. It's extremely dangerous. They can be lethal, and mixing drugs with alcohol further increases this risk. And remember that in this tragic case, it was the mixture of alcohol with ketamine that resulted in the death. Hannah Head went on a podcast she characterised the Newcastle University's message to students as awful.
0: The university, I feel, they sent an email round about this, um, which I I haven't seen but I've had it, I've been read what it says, um, which was just, it was awful. And I don't expect the university to accept blame or to, you know, say it's, it's their fault somehow. Um, but there was just no, um, no understanding and no real empathy for people. We reached out to SSDP for comment, and they told us in a statement, SSDP neither condones nor condemns drug use, but recognises that students and young people use drugs. They say they hope to reduce harms related to this. We also reached out to Universities UK. They told us that the task force launched in 2022 was made to bring an evidence based approach to addressing student drug use. They told us that student voices were incredibly important to them. So the task force was informed by a weighted student survey of almost 4000 students. They say their priority is to see students succeed and develop a proactive approach with student safety and health at its heart. SOS UK, the charity running the pilot scheme, also told us that they do not condone or encourage illicit drug use. They say that this programme has student well-being at its core, empowering students to seek support and make informed choices, which can only be achieved, they say, if higher education institutions develop a proactive approach centred on student safety and well-being. It's difficult, isn't it, because everyone's got the same aim. No one wants students taking drugs and dying or doing themselves serious harm, but no one's got the balance quite right anywhere, it would seem. Well, the harm reduction
1: strategies that are being proposed, they would not have helped in this tragic case. Um, So if you think of the drug checking approach, there's no suggestion that this ketamine was contaminated. The one thing that might have saved her is if there weren't drugs to hand. And in fact, there was a substantial amount of drugs. And this opportunity to take drugs is going to happen if drugs are around. And I just wonder with some of these cases where students are piling in, out of the pub, really happy, and say, oh, let's get some of the drugs that are there. That opportunity wouldn't arise if they weren't there. And and people are saying to me, we well, you're just naive because they have the drugs anyway. But the, the point of those disciplinary measures to try and keep halls as free of drugs as possible was to reduce the risk to students. And that threat of immediate expulsion for drug possession was lifted and it wasn't there anymore.
0: And the drugs are there, as you've explained, in halls, at, at, at music festivals and the rest. It is part of what makes ketamine so dangerous the novelty of it and the fact that people don't know necessarily how much a quote-unquote safe dose is.
1: Yeah, I think also it's got this reputation, even speaking to medical experts, they say, well, nobody's familiar with the idea of deaths from ketamine. Um, but there, is, there are issues with mixing. Alcohol and ketamine, both of those substances cause breathing to slow down. So, If you mix them together, you can really slow down your breathing and you can go into a coma or die. And it does happen. About one in ten of people with ketamine in their system, also alcohol, is implicated in that death. It's far more people who are dying when the cause of their toxicity is a mixture of ketamine with another illicit drug. So they're taking a cocktail of drugs. But you can be found dead with only ketamine in your
0: system and finally don you you told us about one particular case of of a student who who tragically passed away after taking ketamine but as you explained well right at the beginning of this conversation there are so many of these deaths at so many different universities in the uk over the past few years or some of the other ones that that have stuck with you that you found
1: Okay, well, there was an 18-year-old girl from Cardiff in 2020. She went into cardiac arrest in Halls, and her brain was deprived of oxygen. She died. Her name was Megan Pollitt. It was a 19-year-old boy who was a classic student at Oxford, and he liked to climb things after taking drugs, and his drug of choice was ketamine. He was found dead after falling from a height at a building site at a shopping centre. His name was Max Meehan. There was a 21 year old boy at Southampton University. He went to a house party and took ketamine. He drowned in the mud of a model boat pond that had been drained. He had obtained a much cherished placement with the European Space Agency. His name was Amandeep Singh Samsoa. The saddest part of working on this story, and it, was, and it really was upsetting, When I was researching the deaths of students who had ketamine in their system, I would look up their names on our database, and I'd find out about the circumstances of their sad deaths. But the database includes local newspapers. So I would find references to them when they were still school children, and they'd be often the brightest and best people in their schools, so they might have won a prize and it'd be in the local paper or they won a quiz or had some sporting achievement. And I'm reading this knowing that these children who have such a fantastic future ahead of them, so much hope, they're going to be in a few years in a coffin. It's such a waste of life.
0: You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times. With me, Luke Jones, and my guest investigations editor at The Times, Dominic Kennedy. If you're a subscriber, you can read all of Dom's investigations into the world of students and drugs and this particular scourge of ketamine at thetimes.co.uk. This episode was produced by Taryn Siegel. The executive producer is Kate Ford. And sound design was by David Crackles. And if you have a story that you think we should be covering, an idea for a future episode perhaps, or maybe you've just got thoughts on what you've just heard, send us an email, times at thetimes.co.uk. Goodbye.